0: Welcome. My name is Max Clark, and I will be your narrator. Join me as I guide you through our radio adaptation of Rahul Varma's theatrical production of State of Denial. This is a story of erasure. This is a story of the intergenerational effects of ethnic cleansing. This is a story of the Armenian Genocide. This is a story of Canada. This is a story of reconciling identity, tragedy, and self. This is a story of hope. And of course, this is a story of denial. We begin our story in Montreal in 1996, in front of a small home on Montreal Island. Odette, a young black woman, walks up the steps to the front of the house.
1: Um, hi. Reed Cooper spoke to you about me.
2: May I come in?
1: I just returned from Turkey.
2: That's my grandparents' country.
1: That's what I wanted to speak to you about. Um, I have a photograph.
2: Here. Do you know this person? That is my grandfather. He passed away a long time ago. And the woman next to him, naturally, is my grandmother. He met her here in Canada. He always wanted to return to Turkey. To die in his homeland, I presume. For some reason, he couldn't go back.
1: I have a document.
2: Do you recognize this name and this face on these papers? Do I recognize this name? That woman is my mother. And this is my father. It's really your mother I came to see. My parents died six years ago. I'm so
1: sorry to hear that. So you're the granddaughter.
2: Please, I want to know what's going on.
1: Yes, well, this man in the photograph. That is not your grandfather.
2: You had better leave.
1: I've just come back from Turkey, believe me. I have the story, the story that you don't know. I was working on a documentary. Leave. Let me tell you more about your- This is some kind of a joke?
0: We arrive now at a graveyard in Turkey. The sky is pale as people gather around for a funeral. There is a somberness to the air as a cleric begins the proceedings. As he does so, Odette, our young black heroine, begins setting up film equipment. Odette easily sticks out from the crowd. A man who equally stands out from the crowd stands next to her looking over what she is doing, undistracted by anything else but Odette and her camera. His presence is almost robotic. As Odette directs her camera toward the funeral, the cleric decides to pay her no mind. And so, he begins a commemoration.
3: It is the year 1996, and yet we don't know her age. Some say Begum Sahana was 90. Some say she was 100. Some say she was a hundred and ten. I say she was ageless, that she lived several generations. Today, Allah will judge her. If her good deeds outweigh the bad, she goes to heaven, a paradise, a garden of delights. If her bad deeds outweigh the good, she will go to hell, where she will be chained and hot oil poured over her for eternity. Hot oil to be poured on everyone else.
4: Let him proceed.
3: In this coffin, she lies in peace, face looking up as though she wants to say farewell to the world. Did anyone hear what she really had to say? Shh,
4: let him finish the burial.
3: I invite families to pour water on her and say your final goodbyes. May Allah forgive her faults. What faults?
4: I really shouldn't have come with you.
3: Repeat after me. May Allah forgive her faults.
5: Forgive her faults.
3: And send her to heaven. Forgive
5: Forgive her, forgive her. And forgive her. her.
3: Let's remember her strength and fortitude. Her strength and fortitude. Now give her your blessings. We We give give her our our blessings. blessings. Do you give her your blessings? We We give give her our blessings. blessings. Sahana was the soul of our society.
1: The woman in that coffin isn't Sahana. (gasps) Where did she come from? Where did she come
3: from? Today, we put a tombstone on our grave. That
1: would be wrong.
3: And honor her bloodline. You
1: can't honor what you don't know.
3: Forgive me for a second. How dare you dishonor a Muslim's bloodline? I'm
1: not speaking of her as a Muslim, but
3: I understand your ignorance.
4: Allah! Odette, please think before you speak.
3: You dishonor a Muslim's bloodline. You will lead a wretched life. I'll order the guards to take your camera away and call
4: security. That's not necessary.
3: I didn't mean to. I shall not tolerate this insult to our families and our traditions. I'm
1: sorry, I said that in a fit of emotion. I'm packing up.
3: Emotions have consequences.
1: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm leaving.
3: Okay, repeat after me. Forgive this foreign woman.
5: Forgive Forgive this foreign woman. woman. Forgive her faults. Forgive her faults. So forgive your ignorance.
0: Following the fiasco at the funeral, Odette and her companion, Reed Cooper, return to her apartment. Cooper is a Canadian diplomat who is tasked with overseeing Odette's film work while in Turkey.
1: Don't say it. I overreacted.
0: That's an understatement.
1: Before I came here, I thought I was an expert, because I had survived Rwanda. But as I began to do my work here, I learned things I couldn't have imagined.
4: You should know that in this country, you'll be successful only if you're less direct. If you act the way you do, you'll become a problem for Canada.
1: What will Canada do? Have me kicked out of Turkey?
4: Not unless you give us reason.
1: What are you implying?
4: Look, Odette, do whatever you're doing without making any waves.
1: I'm making a documentary.
4: Filming a funeral in Turkey is questionable.
1: This is a Canadian matter, Cooper. How so? Sahana's story starts here, but ends in Canada, with people who are Canadian citizens by law.
0: I'm not a lawyer. Odette hands Cooper a package.
1: Help me get the truth out, then. Send this to Canada. What's in it? Under diplomatic protection.
4: You know I'm not allowed to send Send this unless... You're asking me to take a risk.
0: But I must know what's inside.
1: It'll pass the sniff test.
0: Cooper takes the package from her, noticing the postcards lying around at the same time.
4: Alright, what are all these postcards?
1: I distribute these in public places. Why? Something I learned in Rwanda to make people talk.
4: You're going to make people talk to you with postcards?
1: I'm a curiosity. Look at my skin. Look at my hair. Hear me speak. The postcards give them a reason to approach me and start a conversation.
4: If something happens to you, Odette- Don't worry about it. ...will be blamed for not protecting you.
1: Cooper, you know where to find me. Now take the package.
0: Okay. Only a day has passed since the funeral. Odette, our young heroine, stands in the middle of a crowded street, filled with passerbys who actively avoid catching her eye. Odette is wearing a poster around her neck that has a picture of Sahana on it the woman whose funeral she went to. She passes out postcards with Sahana's picture on it.
1: Hello, sir, madam, hello. Um, I'm sure you know Begum Sahana. I understand she was well known. Yes, everyone knows her great deeds, but do you know of her younger days? Anything about her childhood, when and where she was born, anything from her yesteryears, her family, her family tree, anything at all? A reward, a significant reward, to anyone who has any information. No. You don't know- uh, Sir! How about you, ma'am? Your silky, silvery hair tells me you might have a wealth of knowledge. No. Keep a postcard with you. My contact info is at the bottom of the postcard. You will find me out and about distributing these cards. I'll be here every day until I find the answers that I'm looking- Miss, for. you can't do this here. I will just go then, officer. Officer.
0: Our story now shifts to a bright, round office. The curtains are open and tied back with thin pieces of grey fabric. In the middle of this large window, a tired man sits at his desk. Mr. Hakan, a Turkish government official, idly writes in a notebook as he speaks to Reed Cooper across the desk, diplomat to diplomat.
5: My friend Cooper.
0: My friend Hakan.
5: Assalamu alaikum.
0: walaikum asalam.
5: You accompanied that African woman to the burial ground.
4: Uh, She's Canadian. Afro-Canadian.
5: Regardless, you did accompany her.
4: In my personal capacity, not as a diplomat.
5: Then what is your perspective on her as a diplomat?
4: The Canadian government supports what she's doing.
5: Well, the Turkish government does not.
4: I can't stop her from doing her work.
5: Did you tell her that in Turkey, blood is thicker than water?
4: She told me the same thing about Rwanda. Blood is thicker than water.
5: Blood is our history.
4: She says history is written by victors. Who
5: is the victor and who is the victim here?
4: You can't keep people talking about the genocide.
5: That word is not permitted. But
4: Odette is entitled to her opinion. She
5: is trying to make fact of opinion.
4: In Canada, Hakan... Tell me,
5: Cooper, if people from Russia, from Greece, from India, from Africa, if they invaded Canada, just as the French and the British did in the 15th century to the First Nations, would you defend Canada? Or would you say, gee, this was genocide. Now let's hear stories. This
4: sounds like an undergraduate discussion.
5: No, you wouldn't say it was genocide and you wouldn't hear their stories because the invaders are outsiders.
4: You mean the Armenians and Christians are outsiders?
5: But your Afro-Canadian woman wants everyone to believe they are victims of what she calls genocide.
4: That is not correct.
5: Tell me, how do foreigners who invade my country, occupy my land, take over the market and build their empire... How did they become genocide victims and we become the sick nation of Europe?
4: May I say something plainly? Shoot. Odette didn't say anything like that.
5: Can I say something plainly? Shoot. She has witnessed a real genocide. There you go. If people ask her, she would talk about Rwanda. Yes. Blacks killing blacks.
4: And how the outsiders made it happen? Help me, who would that be? The French, the Belgians, the colonizers.
5: <laughs> Cooper! Belgians were chucked out 50 years ago. They said, here is your country, do whatever you want to do with it. And the Hutus and the Tutsis slaughtered each other with a brutality that made the Belgians look like Muhammad Gandhi. But everyone still blames Belgians because, because it is convenient. It is convenient to blame someone else. It is convenient to blame the past. Blaming the past is a perfect excuse to hide the present. You
4: mean we are hiding our present?
5: Let her make a documentary on your history.
4: We wouldn't stop her.
5: About whites killing the aboriginals.
4: So, that's what's bothering you?
5: We're all shackled to our histories, Cooper. I resent that you escaped yours so easily. We haven't. Why didn't you send an Aboriginal filmmaker then, who could dig into our past and compare it to yours?
4: We would have, if there was someone willing to-
5: Showing f- how the white settlers killed Aboriginals, took over their lands, and sent them to live on reserves.
4: True, but that's no reason to suppress Odette's documentary.
5: I'm protecting Turkey's honor. We
4: both know how much inhumanity there is in the world. No, how much, no matter how much people scream injustice, No one lifts a finger. On the contrary, governments are proud of their disgrace and hide their shame. But because a filmmaker discovers something about one Turkish individual, which is not even verified, you use that as a defense that Canadians are covering up aboriginal genocide? Come on.
5: Yes, send her in. You won't believe who happens to be coming in right now.
2: Why have I been brought here?
1: Cooper? What's going on?
4: Wait till you hear what he has to tell you.
5: You had an incident at the burial ground. Is that why I was brought here? Exactly what did you do at the burial? I got a bit emotional. Come to the point, Miss Uera. What did you do? I'd grown very close to Sahana and wanted others to know her like I did. You made wild accusations about her identity, her paternity, about her family. You made the accusations at her funeral. This is how you want others to remember her? This is how you honor her memory? This is how you respect our traditions? I was filming, sir. Who gave you permission to film her burial? I had her permission, and I got affected by what I learned. Missy Wera, everyone gets emotional at funerals. Your behavior can be forgiven. I'm more concerned about your
4: activism. Activism?
5: Stirring up old feelings, bothering people. I went looking for people who could tell me more about her. You went door to door? Yes.
4: It's what documentarians do.
5: Interviewing people. It's
1: part of my job. I mean, I talked <laughs> Including an old couple who can't remember their last name?
4: Have you been following her, Khan?
1: Did you? The old couple remembers more than their last name, sir. They told me about things that Sahana told Is me- Is that why we let you come here? I was chosen to come here. <laughs> so you're cho- You're the chosen people? Chosen by your god?
4: No need to get nasty.
1: I realized how many of us had had gone through the same trauma. Generation after generation, not much changed. She started talking about Turkey, and I thought she was talking about me and my country, Rwanda. Rwanda has nothing to do with Turkey. Memories, Mr. Hakan Ben We have stories. We listen and tell stories, and they connect us. Why don't you limit yourself to telling your stories? I am telling my story. From Rwanda to Turkey. Rwanda was the first country that introduced a bill at the UN to... ...recognize the Armenian genocide. Perhaps it knew its own genocide was coming. So clearly, I am telling my
4: story. She's been telling stories from all over the world, Hakan. It's no secret, you know that. She's gathered stories from Botswana and Burundi.
5: Then why doesn't she stay with their stories over there? Why
4: come here?
1: Because Sahana gave me her story here, not over there. She told me her story and those of many others. Many, many, many others.
5: But did she know that you'll turn
1: her story into anti-Turkish propaganda? It is a real story. Sir, it isn't propaganda. You know her, you praise her, but you don't want to hear her story? Well, I want to hear her story. I want the
5: world to hear her story. I promised her that. Promised what? To make her story public. <laughs> Look, you can, prom- you can promise all you want. You can discover all you want. Your project, your research, your background, the postcards, street talking, cemetery, archives. Everything you do bears witness to your genius. I'm so proud of you. Not many people will travel this far to film a funeral and read obituary. It's so impressive. The fact is, that the more- Without people like her, how can we change the world? (laughs) So you want to change the world? Don't you? Perhaps you don't understand the big difference between your changing the world and Turkey's right to protecting her citizens. Now look at this.
0: Mr. Hakan pulls a sealed envelope from a box.
5: Explain this letter. You searched my room?
0: Hakan, you've crossed the line.
5: She crossed the line when she violated our agreement. You searched my room! Look, if you're not hiding anything illegal, it doesn't matter research, does it? Sahana entrusted me with that letter, personally. Instead of
1: mailing it to... Oh, it doesn't have an address. That's why it was so important that I finish my research. So I can deliver the letter where it was supposed to have gone. Which is where? To her missing father. I give you my word, he's dead, not missing. Therefore, I'll look for Sahana's
5: second family. Oh, so there's a missing family too. When I go back, I'll find them. You're more fixated on the dead than on the living.
1: People have died, have disappeared, have fled, and have gone underground
5: and escaped.
0: Mr. Akan pulls out a tattered and worn photograph from his breast pocket.
5: Does this not tell you something? Open your eyes and look. She's preying on her father's grave. This is the colonel's grave. Do you think the colonel is not her father? Why don't we check the birth and death registries? Do you think her father faked his death and fled to Canada? I'm
1: simply asking for access to government archives. You're black.
4: Look, this is not on...
1: It's okay, Cooper. Yes, I am black, and it's written all over me. Look, I don't mean it in a bad way. Oh, no, let me hear what you meant.
5: In a good way. We get along well with blacks and black countries.
4: Canada is home to many African Canadians. You were brought from Africa. Hakan?
5: Those could have been my ancestors. Brought in chains.
4: Hakan, this isn't fair.
1: No, it's okay. Let him speak. Yes, many Africans were bought in chains. Some of them may have been my unknown relatives. Maybe living somewhere in Canada. Who knows? This is why I have been interested in them. People who may have been living with a hidden past, afraid of revealing who they really are. Is that why you went to Canada? I went to Canada to study. And that year, things turned deadly in Rwanda. The massacre? The genocide. One tribe killing the other? Killing women. Who? The men who killed women and then blamed it on race and the other tribe. Which tribe
5: are you? Woman. No sloganizing, please. Are you Hutu or Tutsi? I told you. My tribe is a woman. You're avoiding my question. I'm assigning blame of the attack on my
1: tribe. Women. Women were abducted, raped, cut up, and then axed to death. How
5: come you survived? I escaped to Canada. Do you feel good about it? I feel guilty. Because you survived? Because others didn't. There you have it. You feel guilty. So now, instead of exposing your country's shame, you seek to make it mine. Let me guess, Rwanda wouldn't have happened if we evil Turks had just what allowed ourselves to be taken over. This is not a story about Turks or Rwandans. This is about one woman. Why are you so afraid of her story? I'm not afraid of her story. It's anti-Turkish propaganda.
4: This is just one isolated project.
5: She offends me. I thought we were getting somewhere. Look, young woman like you, fresh from the universities, You have your own frightful history, but you use us as an excuse to forget your own. You dig into people's lives to make films. What does the past tell you about the present? What Turks did to the Armenians? What does the world not understand from the Armenian genocide that it it was repeated in Rwanda? It was like this and not that. This is what happened and not that. And on and on and on. Do you even know what has happened since? Have you tried to find out? We've moved well beyond 1915, but you must pull us back. You must remind us of a discordant past and make us feel guilty. Why can't you accept the absolute truth? The Armenians and Turks could not live together. Sahana said they did, and I believe they can.
0: Mr. Hakan brings out Odette's camera. Stunned, Odette tries to reach for it, but Mr. Hakan gestures for her to stop. Don't. Odette stands her ground, clenching her fingernails into the palm of her hand. She begins to step forward, but catches a glimpse of Cooper shaking his head, and instead backs off.
5: You have been in our country for nine months. One year? You agreed that you'd study, and that's all you do. Only study. You agreed that you'd not meddle in our local life. And you, Miss Odette, you broke that promise. You knocked on people's doors, you put words in their mouths, and then put them on film. In not abiding by our agreement, this is what I do to the paper we signed.
0: Mr. Hakan rips up the signed paper.
5: I could live with that, Miss Odette. You begin your postcard campaign, I could live with that. You visit cemeteries and check archives, I could live with that too. But this...
0: Mr. Hakan pulls out the memory card from the camera.
5: That is my film. This, I cannot live with. It's about one of your citizens. No, it's about you. About my personal experience with her. The personal experience of a Rwandan survivor of a genocide that never happened in a land she doesn't understand in the slightest. It is Sahana's story. If I don't tell it, who will? It's a violation of her privacy that you are bent on displaying to the world. Miss Sahana was a hero, a symbol of all that is good and sacred with our country and culture. And you reduced her to a mouthpiece for your own problems.
4: That's a bit of an exaggeration.
5: You're making her a prop to express your own trauma with your own genocide. Hutus washing the streets with Tutsi blood or the other way around, who knows? I want my film. Forget it. I can't. Why not? I have met people I forgot overnight.
4: Give me a break, Mr. Akhan. This is so unnecessary. I
5: am giving her a break. I'm deporting her.
4: Come on, Akon. This will go to international media, to the UN, to Washington.
5: And I will tell Washington your planes are flying over our airspace. One thing this official has made clear is that he does not care about the truth. Well then, in my official capacity, I ask Mr. Cooper to return you to Canada. I have submitted to your government a show cause notice to support deportation.
0: Mr. Hakan speaks forcefully over Odette's head at Cooper.
5: Please see that she is put on a flight home, to Canada or to Rwanda. It's up to you and Miss Uera.
0: He lowers his gaze to Odette and asks,
5: Where is your home, in fact?
0: Without moving a single muscle, Mr. Hakan continues to glare at Odette as he refers back to Cooper.
5: As per protocol, I ask that she be accompanied all the way and that confirmation be sent upon arrival.
0: Mr. Hakan dismisses them with a cold stiffness. And so, Cooper and Odette prepare themselves for their trip back to Canada.
2: All right, all
1: right, don't push me.
6: Turkish Airlines Flight 8 is landing at Pierre Elliott Trudeau International Airport. Passengers, please proceed to Gate E, Aisle 24, to collect your luggage. What
0: luggage? After collecting their luggage, Odent and Cooper climb into a small cab, ripe with the smell of smoke and something else they truly did not want to identify. Despite all this... They sink into their seats, exhausted, after their long flight home to Montreal from Turkey.
4: Five years I worked there. Never have I met someone who caused so many problems.
1: Hakan has no right to do that to me.
4: And Hakan, who defends what can't be defended. What
1: is he defending? Don't yell at me. I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, what right has he to terminate my work?
4: We've talked enough about this.
1: How dare he?
4: I will have the driver stop the car. I'm sorry. Okay.
1: He went into my room, searched everything that I... You've
4: been warned.
1: My outerwear, my underwear, my bra, my bed, my bathroom, everything.
4: Driver, stop the car.
1: My deodorant, my cream, my comb, my mirror, and even my tampons, and you let him deport me?
4: Alright, but what did you do to me? To you? Yes, me. That package. What was in it? Odette, I sent that in a diplomatic pouch.
1: And I appreciate it, Cooper, I do. What was in it? All my work, all the footage I had.
4: You used me. You made me export your continuous work under diplomatic privilege?
1: Thanks for getting it out safe.
4: I could lose my job.
1: You haven't. And Akon you... has no clue there was a backup copy.
4: You lied to both of us.
1: Sometimes you have to lie to preserve the truth. Don't you?
0: No. Odette gives him an accusing stare.
4: Okay, so I'm a bureaucrat. I can't imagine a life without lying. We lie for our bosses, but you... You tricked me. You tricked me into sending your work without telling me what was in it. Would I have sent it back knowing what it was? No. But why do you pretend you're honest and I'm not? Oh, Coop.
1: I don't pretend. I'm an ordinary documentarian who's uncovered a hidden truth. Trying to get a hidden truth that implicates Canada. Do you think I don't have to manipulate and lie? Ask any truth-seeking documentarian.
4: All you care about is you and your film.
1: Coop, this stopped being about a film. The moment I gave that sweet old
4: woman my word. It's about getting an audience, even if that includes using that sweet woman.
1: No. I have to tell Sahana's story.
4: Why don't you make a documentary about some Sahana from Rwanda?
1: I can't go back now. Can we get back on the road now, please?
4: Driver... Resume, please. Why?
1: Because i will be arrested. Maybe executed.
4: Because you'd be giving Rwanda a bad name.
1: You should know that.
4: Like Sahana who's giving
0: Turkey a bad name.
1: Come on, Cooper. We're not in Turkey anymore. You're allowed to be open-minded again.
0: Odette and Cooper have arrived at Cooper's downtown office in the core of Montreal. After getting out of the cab and up the elevator, they enter. Cooper's office is lined with bookshelves, but no actual books. Instead, files upon files and documents and folders flood the room. From the window, a picturesque view of the downtown buildings cast a shadow over the room. And yet, despite that, sunlight is still able to brighten up the office from what would be a cold somberness.
1: I appreciate this, Cooper. And really, it wasn't my intent to use you or fool you. I was trying to protect you and your ability to deny.
4: Having been ordered to leave, to fly through the night, all the way from Turkey to Montreal, to listen to you, who smuggle the film who has some supposed earth-shattering secret, and if I show my discomfort for it, I'm told I'm a lying bureaucrat. You know what, Edette? Here's your film, but I'm no lying bureaucrat. You are a lying documentarian.
1: Then you must watch it. What? Yes, I lied, and yes, I used you to smuggle the film here, but what's on the film is so important, there's nothing wrong in lying for it. Really? Why don't you watch it with me, right now?
4: I've handed over the package to to you, and that's it for me.
1: Come on, Coop. You are so sure there isn't much in the film, and I'd like to believe that you're right. So, why don't you see it for yourself? What are you afraid of? I'm not. Don't you want to see for yourself that your efforts served a purpose?
4: I follow the orders.
1: Why don't you follow what I'm saying? I can stay back if you promise to watch the film.
4: Okay. I'll watch.
1: And I'll stay.
0: You are now listening to a recording of Odette's film. In the film, Odette is in front of the residence of Begum Sahana. The day is bright, and the wind blows through the tops of trees and fills the area with the sound of rustling leaves.
1: Begum Sahana? Begum Sahana...
0: Begum Sahana answers the door. Her hair is tussled, and posture slightly hunched. Sahana leans heavily onto a walking stick by her right hip.
7: So you are here. Thank you for agreeing to receive me. You really are here. You didn't believe I'd come? Sometimes people say they are coming, but they don't. So I don't want to cry if they don't show up. I'm from Canada. Well, Rhonda originally. How nice. I have a special relationship with Canada. May I come in? Oh, Yes. Everyone, I have someone come all the way from Canada to see me. Oops, there's no one here to listen. People have moved out. Growing old is an experience in forgetting. I've made coffee for you.
1: Thank you. Um, I have one major question I want to ask. Why
7: is a Muslim woman helping Armenian Christians? Everyone who comes here asks the same thing. I've come to ask the same. Because I'm a woman by nature. Women of your country would thank you for that. Women in my country are angry. You mean they're not happy? I mean, they're angry. Right. They have been angry for 100, 200, 300 years. You mean Armenian women. I mean women. At Turkish men? At men. And we've grown tired of being angry in silence. You don't seem silent. Because I can't convince men of their deeds and denials. So I keep trying.
0: Odette pulls out her notebook and begins avidly writing.
7: Is that
1: why you were in court two days ago? How do you know? I've been observing you. (laughs) So you're a spy. A documentarian. Then you should have said hello to me. I wanted to say hello to you in private, in your own home. I'd like to hear more about the work you're doing.
7: I was in the court to help this distressed woman. She wanted a Turk's admission that he was her father. The man's estate denies it.
1: She must ask for permission to call herself daughter? Why?
7: Because to do so would be to admit he raped her mother. Because the woman was Armenian? Because that woman's father took that man's sister's hostage. Why? Why? Because he wanted to bargain for the release of his daughter. Bargain? And so it has been. From jealousy to anger, from anger to hatred, from hatred to revenge, from revenge to rape, from rape to denial, and from denial to rejection. Rejection? When the families exchanged girls, they learned the girls had been raped and the families rejected them. Did this Turk admit fathering the girl? The judge said she was interested in his property, not his paternity. Was she? He couldn't be a good father. The least she should expect from him with what out to belong to her.
1: I would like to go with you to to your women's center.
7: The center was built for my father's money. May peace be upon him. As a Muslim, our duty is to help the needy. But the Muslims massacre the Armenians and still deny it.
1: But deep inside their
7: hearts, they know the truth and they're afraid of themselves. So, I tell Muslims to not be afraid of themselves. Is that possible? If they accept the truth. Will they? They have to live with themselves. Don't they? Right. Wouldn't you do the same if that was in Rwanda? I saw both sides in Rwanda.
1: Neighbors killed neighbors. My house was looted. My sister, mother, and grandmother were raped, and they made my father watch it. When he closed his eyes, they split his head open with a machete. Stop! So, yes. That's why I've come to talk to you about survivors from the other side. To hear more testimonies. Try and make sense of things.
7: You see, my dear? Everyone who didn't suffer likes to make sense of things. Everyone who suffered believes she has suffered the worst hell. Hell is hell. Everyone speaks of a different hell, but each woman's hell is no different from her neighbor's. And that's what I want to find out. Our hell happened way back. Those who died, died. Those who survived are scared forever. My mother,
1: sister, and grandmother. Three generations of women raped by boys no more than 15 or 16. You have to forget.
7: Forget? Life must go on.
1: Will you speak on camera? I'm no film star. Your words may offer solace to
7: survivors. And help your career.
1: Oh no no, I wanna talk to you about the woman you helped. And answer
7: your questions. And as much as you feel comfortable. And everyone who sees the film will know that you've made it because you've survived the genocide in Rwanda. Yes, I've survived. But now sitting safe in Canada. Sitting safe? I'm not so sure. And the film will make you famous. Camera, lights, red carpet. It's not that kind of film. But the people I'll be talking about whose stories I'll be telling you will simply remain leftovers of the death march counting their days. No, no. Their story in the film cannot bring them closure. But I just wanted to try. I will not talk to the camera. Maybe I can explain? You are taking advantage of others' suffering. No, I am not. You escaped your hell. Don't remind them of the hell they are trapped in. I don't want to forget. Go home. Why are you getting mad at me? Did you not hear me? Go home. Leave us. Um, I mean, you don't mean it for real, right? I mean it for real. Go home. Don't make a spectacle of misery. Go home. But this film can
1: help. Help other women. Help you with the center. I can help. Help you.
0: With no response, Odette begins to walk away in silence.
7: Um, Wait. Sorry, I didn't get your name. Odette. Xavier. Uera. Come back, Odette. You just ordered me out. You really want to make this film? If not with you, with someone else. Maybe you can help.
1: You mean money? What are you prepared to give in return? I'll sign an agreement with you. I'll, I'll work with you. You will have a say in everything that goes into the film.
7: Everything? Totally. I want a promise from you. What? I have family in Canada. You have what in Canada? My family. I'm sorry. If you promise to help me find them, I will talk. I'll tell you stories. Stories never told to anyone. I thank you. I don't need your thanks. I need a promise. Promise that you'll find my family. I'll do my best. Otherwise, I won't be your film star. Period.
0: At this remark... Odette leans into the back of her chair for a moment, fiddling with the pencil between her fingers. She looks out into the room, and yet past it, almost as if she is looking at nothing at all. Then she takes Sahana's hands into her own.
7: I promise. Now we are talking. The search for your family could well be my thematic through line. Then listen. My father had gone to Canada.
0: Odette picks up her notebook from the floor, placing it on her chair. She begins trying to set up her camera with a clear sense of rush, fumbling and even dropping the camera lens cap a couple times. But despite any of that, she continues without pause, wanting to get started on the interview quickly while they are still in the moment.
7: Where in Canada? I don't have the address. You're joking, right? We don't have that kind of relationship, do we? Okay. Why did your father go to Canada? It's a long story. Where do I start?
1: Start from the start.
7: I'll start the day I sensed something was happening. That would be good. The neighbors, who used to visit us, started talking to Papa in whispers in a closed room. Yeah, but why did he go to Canada? No one was telling jokes over coffee anymore. If I entered the room, they would would stop and change the conversation. But I was old enough to know that something had changed. How old were you? At the time, 19.
1: Puts you almost in a different
7: century. Papa talked about a hanging, and my mother said let's leave before it's too late. And I said, yes, let's leave. Papa put his arm around me and said, no, no, no. I can't take everyone together. He said he had to sell all the property. And because of the trouble, he needed his friend Talat from the Turkish government to help him. I asked, what trouble? Papa laughed and said, oh, nothing to worry about, you pretty-faced little girl. He always called me a little girl. He said, you should laugh and be happy. Leave the worrying to me but I knew he was worrying. I remember asking him why he wanted to leave the country and it came out of him. What country? When people feel safer abroad than home, there is no country. Then he said, don't worry. Soon we'll have our meals in Canada. My father was a rich man. He wanted a good life for us. He showed us photographs of Canada. So why didn't you go with him? Well, you left Rwanda just in time. I couldn't leave Turkey. If I had left too, we may have met in Canada. Who knows?
0: Odette stops taking notes.
7: What's wrong? You said that your father built the women's center here. I said the center was built for my father's money, after he was gone.
0: We are back in Cooper's downtown office in Montreal. It all looks the same, although the now once clean and pristine desk is piled with half-finished paperwork and a slew of empty Tim's coffee cups litters the corners of the office.
4: I don't think she's a Muslim.
1: How could you say that?
4: She's gambling, and gambling is haram.
1: She's pleading for help for her family, Cooper. You want
4: me to trust her without verifying the facts?
1: If you see more of the footage, you'll see her facts. And if Turkey had not kicked me out, I would have gone to Argana.
4: To verify her story?
1: Argana was her ancestral home. There, for what? She told me that eight girls were taken from Argana and...
4: Armenian girls? Yes,
1: right in front of her eyes.
4: Do you have any proof?
1: Proof? When someone tells you about a girl's being abducted, you don't look for proof. You believe them.
4: Uh, These are serious allegations.
1: Hear me. One day, when I entered her house, I saw she was crying and swaying back and forth. A sad song played on the record player. I think it was an Armenian song. She didn't notice me at first. When she did, she gave me a piercing look. I said, do you want to tell me something? Her gaze grew deeper, and she put her fingers to her lips and whispered, shh. Then she turned her head away stared blankly and said,
7: There is no one left. They're all dead. They killed him. He is no more. They took all the pretty girls. Eva, Sofia, Aram, Gretel, Effendi, Esther. They took all the Sinams. I want them back. I want Sinam. I want my Sinam back.
1: I thought Sinam was her mother, or sister, or someone close in the family. I held her hand and kissed it. I and I asked, Who is Sinam? She closed her eyes, tears trickling down her wrinkled face. She wiped her tears with the back of her
7: hand, and she clenched her teeth and hissed, I cannot forget. I will not forget. I want my Sinam back.
4: Now, who is this Sinam?
7: That's what I asked her. Who
1: is Sinam? She said, you must know Sinam's story. And then I said, you promised to give me your story. And she replied, I'm giving you Sinam's story. But you agreed to give me your story.
7: No, I agreed to tell you stories. I didn't agree to tell my story. I don't need to glorify me because I helped the girls. Glorifying me releases you from your responsibility. People like you and the Turks need to know the history. You should stand up to the older Turks.
4: So, Sinam was among the eight girls Sahana rescued.
7: Just listen. Sinam's mother assembled all the girls, her daughters, her nieces, and the neighbors, and started cutting their hair. Cut, 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 cut your hair, girls. She cut them uneven and tousled. She rubbed mud and garlic on their faces. She told the girls, You have to look ugly to repulse evil men. Put on baggy clothes. Look like beggars, not the beauties. Look unwanted. She made them look ugly. All but Sinam obeyed her. Sinam refused to cut her hair and wouldn't wear in flattering clothes. Sinam's mother clenched her teeth in anger and left home, telling her, Your beauty will become your enemy. She said, Lock the door. Sinam did the opposite.
0: Our story now takes us many, many years in the past, in what would later become Turkey. A young Sanam is canoodling with Zorab, her young lover, up against a tall tree. They are not far from their houses, and yet it is clear that they are engulfed in their own private world.
6: My mother said, look ugly. I said, no. You know why? For you. She said, lock the door, and guess what I did? I let you in.
3: Love and troubled times.
6: We will do it again, and still again.
3: So, when will I see you tomorrow?
6: You want to leave now? <sighs>
3: the streets are tense.
6: Zorab, I want you to look at me.
3: That's what I do all day.
6: And tell me I'm the pride of your life.
3: Goes without saying.
6: And promise- As always. You'll never leave me. Never. Then listen carefully. For
3: heaven's sake, say something.
6: It's important.
3: Say it.
6: I have something from you.
3: Uh, I didn't give you anything?
6: You gave me a baby. What? I have your baby in my belly. Our baby.
3: Really? It's not the
6: time to say really. It's time to touch my belly and feel the baby. My belly is full of our love.
3: Are you sure?
6: Old Adia came to give me a massage, and her eyes widened with joy. I said, what happened? She said, you're pregnant.
3: Old Adia is not a doctor.
6: She knows. Are you sure? She predicted what you'd say when I gave you the news. Uh,
3: what? Are you sure? Snump. This is a big thing.
6: And I have big plans for us.
3: What are you planning?
6: Planning our future.
3: Yeah, I also have plans, but I'm not going to just throw that- No, but!
6: We have to plan our wedding.
0: Sanam reaches into her blouse and takes out a hidden ticket.
6: My father sent me passage to Canada.
0: Uh, you'll leave?
6: And I'll take you with me.
3: And how will that happen? My
6: father will send your passage too. He knows about us.
3: We need a passport to leave the country.
6: The Turkish passport officer is my father's friend.
3: How can you trust the Turkish officer?
6: I trust him. Sure.
3: Go on trusting a Turk, and I'll come bury your body. What does that mean? Sanam, have you not noticed Turks are looking at you strangely?
0: Sanam tucks the ticket safely back into her blouse, lightly placing her hand on her chest, then resting her hand on her stomach. She turns back to Zorab.
6: I'm not showing yet. I don't mean that. But before I start showing, we need to get married.
3: Something's happening. I waved to my neighbor and he looked away, pretending he didn't see me. But I know he did.
6: Let's worry about us. Us as a married couple.
3: I'm worried about us. Us as Armenian christians
6: We've been neighbors with the Turks for generations.
3: And why do you think our people are speaking in whispers?
6: That's what people do when they're in love. They talk in whispers.
3: It's Axor. It means deportation. We've got to worry.
6: Zorab, if there's no love among people, why should we stay here?
3: Leaving everything behind? Do you want to risk
6: our baby I'm carrying? How
3: can I leave my family behind?
6: You join me now and bring your family over later. I will have my father talk to yours.
3: The Turks are buying swords.
6: I just want to leave and take you with me.
3: This Turk wanted to try a sword, so he attacked an Armenian. The Arminian ducked into the sword smashed into the wall. It broke. A Turkish policeman was watching and was furious. He whipped up to Arminian in public saying, Do you not know what a Turk is? How dare you try to escape? They treat us like foreigners.
6: We were born here.
3: Turkish leaders give speeches at every street corner saying, all able-bodied Arminian men must register with the army.
6: What does able-bodied mean? Men
3: between the ages of 15 and 75. That
6: would include my father. And you. And my father. But my father's in Canada.
3: Mine's not. Nor is my grandfather, my uncle, or my brother. And I'm worried about them. I don't want to leave my family behind.
6: What will you do? I don't want to lose you either. What will happen to our baby?
0: Zorab peeks out of the window, seeing an ever-growing mob of angry Turkish men. The tea's burning. Close the windows. Lock the door. Your mother's room.
6: My mother never locks her room.
0: Suddenly, a Turkish gendarme charges into the house. Brandishing a machete, he charges at Zorab. After their struggle, Khatra, the Turkish gendarme, overpowers Zorab, pinning him to the ground. Our scene now takes us a few houses over from the fight, to the house of Colonel Kazim and his wife, Miriam. They can hear all the commotion outside, but are oblivious to what is truly happening. Colonel Kazim looks out the window curiously before he heads to the door to leave. Miriam, I think there's some trouble.
6: You just noticed.
5: (sighs)
0: Hush up! Colonel Kazim starts to leave again.
6: You don't stick your neck out for everyone's trouble.
0: If anyone asks anything, don't open your mouth. This is a trigger warning for our next scene which will deal with sexual violence and genocide. If you do not wish to hear this content, please return in 12 minutes. Across the whole city, Armenians are being rounded, and their houses being invaded, and their possessions looted by angry Turkish men. Inside the house of Sanam, Khatra, an angry Turkish soldier, has just tied up Zorab, and has now turned his eyes to Sanam. He reaches for her. Ah!
3: Get away from her! Stupid Jor! You want to fight? Untie me, and I'll give you a fight. Zorab, he has a sword. And a slice his throat with it!
0: Khatra presses a sword against Zorab's neck and grabs Sanam with his other hand.
8: Why do you have a big house here when I can't even buy a loaf of bread for my dying mother? Why do you have a beautiful woman and I get an old cow?
0: Khutra pushes away from Zorab abruptly and drags Sanam away to the kitchen.
3: No, no, no! Don't you touch her, you bastard.
0: Khatra stops and sharply turns on his heels. He marches back to Zorab, looming over him to spit in his face.
8: <laughs> You've got the disease in your mouth! Jor!
6: Leave him!
8: Oh! You
0: love him! Khatra locks his arms around Sanam and slides his hand under her blouse, finding the hidden ticket and pulling it out
8: ticket huh what does it say
3: didn't she go to school bastard
8: you will regret that you look 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 what have we got here is this your name sweetie is this your name yes miss sinam is going to canada Give that back to me. Why are you going to Canada? To tell lies? We loot! We burn! We rape! Have I raped you? You give us a bad name! Now I will teach you a lesson you'll never forget!
0: Khatra points his machete at Sanam, waving it up and down, motioning her to get on her knees.
3: Please, I beg you, let her go. Please don't harm her. I'll do anything. Then
8: go to Russia, Jor. Go to Greece. Do not suck our blood. Give us back what you took from us our farms, our factories, our villas. No. Don't give me anything! I have the power to take it from you!
3: Please let her go.
8: I will. I can hear the raiding party! Let's go!
0: Khatra ties Zorab and Sanam up with a rope and forces him out of the house to join hundreds of other Armenians in the Death March. They are being rounded up and tied, forced to walk and stripped of many of their clothes and possessions. While behind them, their houses are being ransacked and destroyed.
5: They are slitting the men's throat and throwing them in the river. Be quiet!
6: Tell no one what you saw, but I did. You didn't see,
8: you didn't hear.
0: Khatra lashes his whip in the air.
8: Line not the bloodsuckers! Line them up in pairs! Tie their hands! I said, tie their hands in the back! Give them a shove with the rifle butt! And as for you two... Yeah, now you look marvelous, yours. March! March, yours To the next city! What city? does it matter, level boy? You won't return. Hey, you! Grandma!
6: God will punish you, evil man. Leave her alone.
8: Sure, sweetie. Leave the granny alone, man. Take
3: the granddaughters. <laughs> Hide some, Mom. They're snatching pretty girls and riding off on them on the back of their horses.
6: Why didn't I listen to my mother? Where is she? Our own children.
5: My wife's eyes froze upon the rushing water, and suddenly, she threw both of our children into the river. Our boy sank right away, but our girl's head bobbed up. My wife pushed her head under, but she popped up again. This was the last time my daughter saw my face, and she was asking, Can you help, Baba? My wife pushed her back under again, then let the madly rushing water take her. My kids disappeared forever.
0: Khatra kicks Zorab on his knees, causing him to fall to the ground. Khatra then takes him to a cell, tying him up. He returns to Sinam and unbinds her. Khatra stands over them commandingly, looking back and forth like a rabid dog. He releases Sanam from his grasp, then turns towards Zorab and beats him mercilessly.
6: There are other women in the detention room of all ages, one month to eighty years old. All were naked. One woman was dead. Her stomach was sliced open and her unborn baby was stuck on a sword that was shoved in the dirt near her head.
0: Zorab's legs buckle underneath him as he tries to stand up. Shatram pulls him up from the hair and turning his head and turns his head in Sinam's direction.
8: You are going to watch God, please save me.
6: I pray, give me sweet release, give me death and take me away from this life of pain. God, please save me. Then I think, what God? I have a change of heart, so I say, Dear God, you don't exist. You're a figment that is remembered in times of pain that you cannot ease. You don't exist. You are not real. You are not true. You don't have a heart.
0: Khatra trudges over to her, reaching down towards her. She suddenly jumps forward and kicks him in the shin.
8: I'll have fun with you. You kick and you are strong. You can handle a whole regiment.
3: (laughs) (coughs) Saddam. God made you pure. He blessed you with dignity.
8: Oh, shut up!
3: (laughs) Sanam, our love lies in the child that lives inside you. Nothing can change that.
0: Khatra forces himself on Sanam with ruthless cruelty. She tries her best to fight back.
8: It's not your first time, sweetie.
0: Khatra looks menacingly in Zorab's direction.
8: He's the bastard who loosened you before me.
0: I'll finish
8: him with one swing of my sword.
0: Without a second thought, Khatra whirls around and stabs Zorab in the chest. Sanam, too weak from everything that has happened, drops to the ground, unconscious and pale. The sound of hundreds of marching feet fills the air as the death march continues relentlessly in the background.
5: Please promise me you won't let anyone else eat my body except you. Promise me, please. You've gone mad, woman! I'm not an animal! I don't eat human flesh. Look around. Women are eating the flesh of a dead horse. How do I know if my mother is dead, and if someone is eating her flesh? How do I know if my father is not among the dead?
0: Khatra grabs a leg of Sanam, broken down. Drags her back to the house.
8: I'll not kill you, sweetie, because I know you'd prefer to die. I'll give you the chance to tell anyone you want to tell. I don't give a fuck what rape is, For the rest of your life, you are going to live with it. So go! Tell Whomever! Take your ticket to Canada and tell the world!
0: He throws the ticket onto the ground beside her. Sanam tries to reach for it, but is too weak to hold her arm off the ground. If you continue
8: to live in your house, I will come when I want and do what I want, how I want. I will come with my friends and have a feast in your rich house. Bastard. Get out of here. Now you're going to tell me where all the jewelry is. I know you have some, and I need to give my wife a bit of housekeeping. And I haven't a penny in my pocket kids haven't had new clothes since last <laughs> eve so the sooner you tell me where the things are the sooner i leave for now there's bound to be some jewelry and cash hidden here
0: khutra ransacks Sanam's house rummaging through her jewelry and clothes and other possessions he is so engrossed in his looting he does not notice colonel kazim quietly slipping into the house. Colonel Kazim's lips curl in disgust as he watches Khatra. The blood pounding in Khatra's ears seemed to deafen him to the voice of the person he's speaking to It does not even realize he is speaking to Colonel Kazim. There
4: sure is treasure here. Why can't I find it?
0: Drink a bit to clear your mind. Khatra pulls a bottle from his pocket and greedily gulps some down. He rips open a door and finds the jewelry he was looking for.
8: Thanks for the advice.
0: Khutra sits down, happy, rubbing the jewelry all over his face, smelling and feeling it against his cheeks and nose, still unaware that it is Colonel Kazim right behind him.
8: I have never seen this much jewelry in my life.
4: What are you going to do with it?
8: My wife
4: likes jewelry. What do you like?
8: A radio... Would be a pretty good item to keep or sell.
4: So where are you going to take it? Home?
8: Lost property, idiot!
0: Khatra turns around and comes face to face with Colonel Kazim. He is stunned to see the colonel. He salutes him and freezes.
4: Sir! What will you tell your wife? Uh, I'll I'll show her the jewelry! She'll uh, open her legs. For you.
8: I I haven't given her jewelry since we got married.
4: You should get a medal for your bravery.
8: Colonel! It was all by the arrangement!
4: How do you know who I am?
8: I, I don't know you. I, I just thought maybe that is who you are. I, I worked for the Committee of Progress.
4: So what has the Committee of Progress made you do?
8: Women, yes, gambling, anytime, looting sometimes, a bit of hit and grab, when possible, but today, I've never done anything like that. Like what? Uh, uh, That girl,
4: she she had a ticket to Canada. Then I want a written report on whatever happened. Report? You mean I have to write? You have done your work splendidly, and I intend to recommend you to the Committee of Progress. (laughs) You are great! And I am also in charge here, so I can shoot you and dump your body in a mass grave. Do you want that? Certainly not! Then get
0: lost. Khatra heaves the jewelry box into his arms and starts to leave but Colonel Kazim calls him back with a hiss. Colonel Kazim glares at Khatra and gestures to him to leave the jewelry box behind. Khatra carefully places the box down and returns to his full height, trying to meet the intensity of Colonel Kazim's gaze. Run. Khatra runs out of the house, slipping and hitting the doorframe in his escape. Colonel Kazim looks around the now empty house. When his eyes rest on Sanam's unmoving figure, he approaches her gently. Ya Allah. Kazim delicately offers his hands to Sanam and helps her to her feet. Returning the jewelry box to her, he guides her out of the house.